You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, I think we're recording. Holy crap. It's happening. The first thing that comes out of my my mouth. Anyway, you are listening to a very special episode of the Northside Sox podcast. But, but wait, this is not only the Northside Sox podcast. No, the Killer Bees have decided to uh, invade onto the Northside Sox podcast. Buzz, buzz. Or, or are we invading on you? You know, are, are the bees being invaded for a change? You know, we were saying beforehand that this would be the most ambitious crossover event in White Sox podcast history, kind of like Infinity Wars, but with like less people dying. Uh, someone will, someone might die. Someone will die. This will be more like Clue, not so much like Infinity yeah. Wars. Mystery okay. dinner there while the game is on. I kind of <laughs> like that. I like the, I like, if if any of us is going to die, I just want you guys to know that I would. There's no context in which I'd rather die than with with you all here on on Zoom. <laughs> it's honestly the dystopian way I was planning on going anyway. Uh, <laughs> just so much of my life has been uh, transpired uh, just in front of my laptop, just talking to strangers, talking talking to you guys, my good friends. Uh, so yeah, that, that that's definitely a fitting way to go. Uh, but I guess uh, if you're listening this far, like some people are maybe wondering who the hell we are. But anyway, uh, I am one half of Northside Sox. Uh, my name is Janice Scurrio. I'm a writer at Southside Sox, if y'all didn't put that together yet. Uh, yeah. And so how about who, who the hell are all, all y'all? Uh, I'm Sam, Sam Sherman. I'm the other half of Northside Sox. 
Uh, I was on Twitter at one time. I'm not on Twitter anymore. But every day I go through the internal battle of do I get it back? I mean, it was so damn good. But <laughs> man, you're a smart man. No, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lay off. I want it. I wanted to be just like you know. I just want to s- scream into the microphone, and that's the way that I present my White Sox thoughts. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm Sam. Uh, who else we got here? Wait, I thought you were Daddy Mendick. Oh my God. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm Daddy Mendick. My golden night is to finish this bottle of beer and, uh, you know, just really enjoy, um, enjoy, uh, upstate New York or wherever, wherever the, um, original Daniel Mendick is from, uh, got to ask him where the clubs are at. Um, but I'm daddy Mendick, so I don't even know what's going on. anymore. <laughs> I told, I told you guys, I said, I said, I started drinking like, you sold it so well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Killer bees. Oh, you have to go now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I am horny Larissa. And Good one. Oh I am God. not only your daddy, but your grandpa. And I am co-host with... Tommy Barbie on Killer Bees, also with affiliated with Southside Sox. And my real name's real name. Government, the government assigned it to me is uh, Keelan Bulu. And I'm happy to be here with all of you. I thought you were saying my real name is government. <laughs> <laughs> my real name is a number assigned by the government. <laughs> and but I'm, I'm going to Tommy- change it to government. <laughs> <laughs> as you should uh i'm tommy barbie i just got a zoom link sent to me and i showed up here so it's nice to meet you all um sometimes i do a podcast keelan lets me in and and <laughs> do the show and produce it for her um and then sometimes i also write for Southside socks when you know nobody else wants to <laughs> <laughs> right for Southside Zox so you don't have to. Exactly. <laughs> I save everyone else the pain of covering this team as they, you know, piss away oh, wins. Sorry. Um, the game's so, on and I got distracted. I want to start out with Okay, Darren. I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about uh, something, just like the headline, like, so going into this year and honestly, the less White Sox that we talk on this podcast, the better. We all can agree on that, but the bottom line is like, it is objectively hilarious that there is like, that there were like several headlines that came out today that was like, Tony LaRussa, Albert Pujols is just not a fit, unfortunately. Fortunately. And it's so like, if you thought, thought about it, you thought about it. And you know that he visited like more than prom. thought. More, yeah. Yeah. More than thought. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, he goes to he goes to Rick and Rick's like Tony, come on. And then Tony's like, I'll go to Jerry. I'll go to Jerry. And he, and then Rick's like, you know what? I actually trust Jerry to not green light this. And then the one time, I, I actually think that Jerry was like, you know, I don't know anything about baseball, and quite frankly, <laughs> I don't give a shit about this team or any team. But um, but no, I I, I don't think that forty five year old Albert Pujols is a fit on this team. Basically, Jerry said to to Tony, uh, hey, we have Albert Pujols at home, which I, I agree. We do have Albert Pujols at home. <laughs> His name is Jermaine Mercedes. We, we've had Albert Pujols at home for like the past three years. Yeah. 
And we're just choosing to bring him up now, which is something I don't want to, I don't know. I'm, I'm really just reluctant to give Larusa credit for your mean. I, I feel as if that's one unfair to your mean and two, just, I don't know, um, a little bit negligent on to, um, yeah, he, your mean could have very well been on the team last year, but mm. of course there was Edwin Encarnacion and yeah. Literally nobody deserves credit for your mean Mercedes except for your mean Mercedes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I would argue that uh, the left field wall in Arizona. That too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aloy decided to just sort of hang his arm over and tear his pec. Um, but other than that, no, you're right. All power to your mean. Just give that wall a plaque. <laughs> See, Thank I'm... you for your service. <laughs> I'm actually on the opposite side just because there's such a rich tradition in White Sox history of signing and trading for over the hill mm-hmm. veterans. Yes. That like this is the last, it, it feels like a rite of passage. Before you retire, you must don this uniform and look terrible for at least 10 or 15 games <laughs> and then you can retire. So, so do you think that maybe Pujols would have been like the last Infinity Stone? Like- swear to god i'm not this this much of a marvel nerd um but yeah essentially Pujols would have been just like that last stone in the gauntlet exactly humanity and you know what maybe Pujols should have signed with the white Sox if if the end goal is to to put us half out of our misery then yes i'm all for it i'm looking at the greater good and i just that that was the move that I was hoping would happen. We're on a path towards chaos right now anyway. So yeah, we are. (laughs) I'm at the point now where I'm like, even though it's still early, I'm like, let's mix it up. I'm honestly, I'm not (laughs) dangerous. Like, you know what, you know, at this point, fuck it. Like nothing matters. Yeah. Uh, I I go back and forth between kind of this like cheerful nihilism, like towards (laughs) the team, towards the, wait a minute, like uh, the winning, the winning season is now, this is the year we actually do it. This is the year that everything, you know, just falls into place. But um, yeah, with, with, with every headline I see relating to La Russa, like I'm very slowly pushing over towards to the, the cheerful nihilism, like just nothing fucking makes sense anymore. Uh, I'm just kind of sitting here kind of thinking of what my name is going to be on the zoom call. And the only thing I've, <laughs> of is, uh, I've, got, I've got Willie Hamilton, uh, and the other one I'm thinking of is uh, <laughs> Dick Mandrigal. Oh, yes. Like, oh. It's, it's all very, like, like you can probably tell what I'm thinking of right now. But um, <laughs> otherwise, I'm just, like, like looking at our 40-man roster, trying to think of, like, any, like, penis-themed names I could, like, assign to any of you. <laughs> That's where we're at. It, see, I, was, I was trying to do something with Adam Eaton because one, I don't like him that much anyway, so but- butchering his name doesn't really impact me. But like Adam Skeeton. Like... <laughs> oh wait, there we go, Spanky Skeeton, done. Oh that, yes, okay, perfect. Ah <laughs> uh, man, yeah, that's a good one. I'm I'm just like wow. I'm, I'm, I like. I'll be thinking. What a mind for you. You have a brilliant mind, Kaylin. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Couldn't My uh, father's like, proud of me. <laughs> couldn't we have had like one thing going into this year that like wasn't the way that it definitely looked like it was going to be? Like in other words, Tony Larusa, like hiring Tony Larusa, like was a horrible idea, and it's ended up being a horrible idea. Signing Adam Eaton 
um, as a, you know, as your starting right fielder, horrible idea, or at least very bad idea. And it's like, you know, he's been like, okay, but like, he's also already like shoved, like literally shoved a dude. And like, he's the same guy. And, um, I mean, I guess, and, and, and he's still thing, hurt. He's still hurt. Yeah. yeah. He, he's hurt. Yeah, he is. You're right. And it absolutely shows. Like, I think he went like what, like over sixteen, was it? Mm-hmm. Or some ridiculous number. And yeah, he he was able to get on base tonight, which is really great to see. Uh, but yeah, um, a lot of the, I think a lot of the things that I heard early on was that, oh, you know, well, he's definitely due for a bounce back season. And yeah, I was definitely more than willing to uh, accept that. And and there was a span of time where he was actually good, but uh, it turns out he is not good. So. Welcome to the Adam Eaton experience. He has made an entire <laughs> career off of exactly that. Yeah. He's good for about 30 games mm-hmm. and then he either gets hurt or does something stupid or pisses everybody off in the clubhouse and then you just deal with the bullshit for the rest of the season. I think, we, yeah, we fit that point. <laughs> He's on my fantasy team. He was my last pick on my fantasy team for fun. And at first I was like, hell yeah. And now it's just like, I mean, he's literally not a big stats guy, but I do, I do look at OPS and it's like halved over every two weeks, half, like decreased by half every two weeks. So that's fun. I mean, painful. I, I guess what I, what I find amusing about this season is that you know, this is the first time I've gone into a White Sox season with very tempered expectations. So, like, when we were doing the Southside Sox season preview, I, I had the lowest win total out of everybody that, that participated because I said 86 wins. And even then, I was like, mm, it might be closer to 83, but I'll go with 86. And... It's just literally every single fear that I had going into the season has come to fruition. And I don't enjoy that. But at the same time, I just, I really want to walk up to Rick Hahn and be like, you silly son of a bitch. I've told you every year to sign some fucking depth and you never fucking do it. And here we are. (laughs) It's yeah, it, it was definitely one of those things we did not want to be right about. So like, I, no. I, I didn't want to be right about just Tony LaRusa like shitting the bed and I didn't want to be right about uh, Adam Eaton, even though like full disclosure, like I, I totally flat out admitted, I think like on one of our early shows and I'm like, this guy sucks. Like we had so many better options to choose from mm-hmm. uh, and we like signed this dude in like December and no one else had their eyes on him. Like no one was like, Hmm, I'm going to see what Adam Eaton is up to like in, in November. <laughs> like, like, like no one was fucking doing any of that. So, and it wasn't like a minor league deal with a major league option. No, we wasn't. were paying him. We were paying like actual American <laughs> this dollars. This is $9 million that this yeah. man has. Like, <laughs> Actually paying this guy to, yeah, potentially, uh, yeah, platoon with uh, Adam Engel, uh, you know, rest his soul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <Pulling> out. <laughs> I, I got to say, too, that uh, Robert's injury uh, was unfortunate, obviously, but also, you know, the, just the sequence of, like, news and how that came out where he, he – we all saw the injury happen. It looked like he was definitely, at least I thought, like going to be like out for the year, like when it happened live, or at least out for a very long time. And then like the news came out after, 
at the game where it's like, you know, x-rays negative or whatever. And yeah. And then the next day they're like, Oh, actually like this, like never happens in baseball to this severity happened to our star center. That was terrible because it's like, Oh yeah, it's fine. And then I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I only can compare it to like Tatis's like swing earlier in the season where it looked like he was like shot and like, fell to the ground and it's like this has got to be like and, and I was not hoping for this by any means I'm just comparing in the sense that um he, he looked like he was going to be out for a long time and he was out for like a day and it's yeah. just like you know those injuries can look really bad and then they aren't necessarily but you know I mean Luis went down and lo- looked bad and it was bad and um it's just another another part of that that sequence there but I still think that the team is uh, good enough um, to like be. A, I think that they still have enough talent to be a good team. But Tony Larusa is still the manager as of nine twenty three here on Friday night, um, and uh, that's gonna. We've seen, he's lost. It's like I think it's like hard. Like whether you what did you think that managers matter or or not, or how much you think that they matter. Larusa's like legitimately lost the White Sox like at least two games, maybe more. I don't know. And this where the the discourse enters on whether managers really matter or not. Uh, I, I think in like the games that Larusa did actively lose the game for the White Sox, yes, though those are opportunities where the manager did in fact matter. Uh, but the heart of the matter is is that like we're still seeing a lot of these like one run, two run games where uh, it just seems as if the lineup is completely mystified by like guys like who throw like like really good fastballs, kind of like how Brad. Keller was for like the, the the first five innings until thank goodness Zach Collins took him deep uh but but yeah we're, we're seeing a lot of these instances where yeah just one run feels insurmountable and so I think Sam you and I were saying on one of our earlier podcast shows that uh, when Eloy went down yeah that was absolutely devastating but it also kind of put a lot of pressure on our starting rotation uh just mainly because yeah, uh, they'll definitely need to lock it down. But of course, now we're seeing that the fourth and fifth starters are probably the bright spot of the of the season so far, where we're seeing really great stuff out of Dylan Cease, really great stuff uh, out of Carlos Redon, uh, who did really fantastic tonight as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the pitching is definitely going to be what makes or breaks this team. Dylan Cease being the key to the 2021 White Sox, like we all... <laughs> Like we all thought, right? <laughs> that was one thing that I was wrong about. Rodon. <laughs> yes. I'm not happy with Rodon being brought back. I, 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 as much as I love the guy, I love Hard Carl watching his Twitch. <laughs> uh, love like watching him play Warzone and all that shit. But it's like he need. I, I thought his success would be found with possibly another club. But, yeah. Yeah, he was brought back, and uh, dang, yeah, he's shoving. Uh, so uh, Ethan Katz working his magic, uh, using that core velocity belt, and amen to that. Just call <laughs> up Reynaldo. Get Reynaldo up here. See what Ethan Katz can do, can do with him. Fix all our there's some boys. There's some things you can't fix, and, and that <laughs> might be one of them, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm, I uh, yeah, that, that, that's going to be a good track record. If you could fix like two out of our like X amount of pitchers that had problems, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. He's the only hire that's worked out. Exactly. I, yeah. I mean, if if you think about it, like the manager in waiting, Miguel Cairo, 
hasn't really I haven't even heard him this entire season so far. No. Yeah. So I I forget he exists until I see his name pop up. Yeah, well and didn't I think we talked about this earlier that he um took he didn't do some of the responsibilities for spring training and Tony Larusa did, right? Right. Yeah, so that was interesting too. I mean, I'm sure it's a control thing, but <laughs> like, yeah, haven't heard it from him at all. At all. No. Yeah. And I mean, even have we like, seen him? Have we no. even seen him? I, I don't know if he's really there. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could be one of the fan cutouts at the stadium. I, I have no idea. But like this, none of the hirings have worked out at all other than Cass. And yeah. what really perplexes me, and I hate saying this, but it, it all goes back to what the organization was selling when they fired Ricky Renneria. Exactly. Honestly, we could have done this exact same bullshit with Ricky Renneria at the helm, and the record would probably be better than what it is right now. Yeah. Just saying. But like they fired Renneria, they went through all this theater about how they were going to redo things, rethink how we run an organization, blah, 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 blah. And truthfully, they threw Renneria under the bus because mm-hmm. Renneria the whole damn time said, I need another bat and I need another starter. They didn't give him either of those things. But it was so there all along. It was there all along. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... It's the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like you don't give him anything and then you hang him out to dry. And now you bring in Larusa. Larusa starts calling the shots the roster is constructed makes zero sense whatsoever because you basically have three DH utility guys that don't really have a position and they're losing games because of how the roster is constructed and because of in-game management and fine. Larissa didn't know the rule. That's fine. I would expect that somebody on his damn coaching staff should have known, Hey dude, you should probably know that you can use a different runner and you don't have to have your $56 million closer running around on the base pass like an idiot. Yeah. That, that that was (laughs) like, that was so weird. And you know, like I, 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 Janice, I think about something that we talked about earlier in this, uh, you know, earlier on an earlier podcast before the season, after LaRusso was hired and you know, I feel like me being a little bit tipsy now is going to throw off just how truly <laughs> mad I am about what I'm about to say, but it's, it's, it's true. Um, you look angry. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's the salmon shirt. <laughs> Here's the thing. When, you when the textual you, evidence that, that you, you told me you were angry like a few days ago. I will. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I was, yeah, I was, I was angry. And, and this just reminded me as far as like not knowing the rules, the thing that's really frustrating to me is that you think about how many, uh, and we talked about this, Janice, but how many viable, more than viable candidates there were, um, you know, across multiple levels, whether it's at the major league level or at the minor league level or, or you know, assistance or whatever the case might yeah. be. I and, had to stare at Willie Harris for, for two games yeah. in a row, uh, which yep. was like, I was like, when I throw him a paper airplane, just like, like the, please the willie harris interview for example uh that that they conducted allegedly and it's just that when you've got all these people that are vying for a position you know it's 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 a very limited spot in in sports and in anything right being a major league manager 
And when you, when you make the hire of Tony LaRusso, it's like, okay, I mean, it's, it's bad, but whatever. And then when he doesn't know the rules, I'm not, this isn't an ageist thing. This isn't anything like that. This is just simply a guy that for him not to know the rules is, is unbelievable. It's incredibly unacceptable to say the least. And it's offensive. It's offensive to the process of bringing in um, a manager who's like worked their ass off uh, for an opportunity for an interview, whether it was like, again, if they, if they indeed, which apparently they did interview Willie Harris. I mean, I'm just saying it's, I'm not saying Willie Harris was the answer, but I am saying that I'm pretty sure Willie Harris would have known the fucking rules um, of, of the, of the game. And this is a couple times already that Larusa hasn't known the rules and he can get away with it because he's, as we all know, he's friends with Jerry, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and he's Tony LaRusso, Hall of Fame manager person. So it's just like, that's the thing that got to me when he can kind of, again, I've, I've, there's limited credit to be given to LaRusso to, to say, I don't even want to say credit, but I can acknowledge that he has owned up to these mistakes after games and he'll say, oh yeah, I should have known that or whatever. But it's like, get it together. Like the, I, at what point, I don't know how it's, it's ridiculous. And and we know nothing's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. That's the other thing too. People calling for him to be fired. It's like, no, that's yeah, not going to happen. happen. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just get comfortable in our anger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did read an uh, athletic article by uh, John Greenberg today saying that um, Tony LaRusso apparently uh, possesses this newfound humility yeah. Yes. <laughs> I read that as well. Yeah. It, it's easy to be humble when you know you're not going to get fired. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when you're when you're called out so blatantly, right. too, it was like, yeah, I would hope so. If he wasn't like, if he didn't have any humility about somebody reading out of a rule book, and be like, but, but here's my issue again. Why was when he came in, it was on the principle that. You know, I'm just picturing Larusa kicking back in his lounger, being like, "Ah, these guys don't know how to manage. I know how to manage. Yeah, I'm going to come in and I'm going to show these young people how we do things." And that's that's what he sold. You know, everybody on was that he was going to come in, he was going to change the culture, he was going to do it his way. And when Larusa was at his peak. He was at his peak because he knew the rules inside and out. He knew all of the little insights that one can know about a game were all the things that he knew. So for him to now be in a position where every press conference feels like an apology tour, it's just like, if I just want somebody that's sad and is going to feel bad for the mistakes they made during the game, Hell, I'll be the manager. Like, it's like, oh shit, I didn't know I could do that. I'm sorry. I didn't know I could do, you know, it's like, there's no reason to have somebody and put them in this position if they don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Well, and it happens so much now that when he does apologize, it is like, yeah, okay. It I mean, means it's mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his newfound humility is like, it's not real humility. <laughs> I, I almost <laughs> like rather, a faux humility. I, I'd almost rather that we got like 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 a, like what we would what we had a sort of like a vintage Larusa or something where you know James Fagan asks the question or you know do you know the rules whatever <laughs> and Larusa's like Larusa's like no I don't know the fucking rules and of fuck Fagan. you kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like at least at least there's something there. That would have made me feel like, better. Yeah. yeah 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 but but 
Um, but no, he's like you said, like he's like it's an apology. It's the Tony Larusa apology tour 2021, and it's awful. Yeah, I must interrupt this Larusa uh, talk with uh, announcing that uh, Yermin Mercedes has just gotten on base. Uh, surprise! <laughs> he, he had a single on a two strike count. So. Uh, Big surprise there. Yermin uh, is now at first. We've got Moncada at second. Uh, fantastic. But yes, I, I think that just, just like one lovely distraction throughout this entire yeah. like the season it, 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 that we've seen already has been Yermin Mercedes. I, I, I love that he's leaning into the whole Yerminator personality. Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, like he's like he, he's had the potentiality to become a fan favorite for forever. I do remember I, I read a scouting report like at the beginning of the season saying that, uh, yeah, uh, he's got, uh, I, think, I think this report said that he had big feet that, you know, he, he's not a great runner. Uh, he's not really a catcher. He absolutely uh, can make contact. And also too, he's fun. And I will never forget how that scouting report said that, like, he was a, a, a fun player to watch. It's the elusive sixth tool right there. But that was, I think that's part of the reason why it took so long for him to break into the majors, because he had such an outgoing personality that it rubbed a lot of teams the wrong way, it seemed wrong like. Way. Yeah. 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 I think so, too. And uh at first, I mean, you, you think that, oh, he's not really a position player. Um, he, I mean, he's listed as catcher, but he's not really a catcher. Uh, but he's just been a guy that's just been able to connect and, like, hit pretty much anything. What's what's the big feet thing? I didn't know that was, like, a <laughs> – like, oh, big feet, you know what that means. Every scouting report <laughs> has, like, some weirdly specific – vaguely sexual reference in them I, I like <laughs> the, that's why body yeah. yeah you talk about the body type it's like oh he has a great body that that body's built for baseball I'm like yeah, what the hell are you talking ass. about <laughs> they do talk about the ass like it's, it's an important it's like I don't tool. understand yeah. like who studies asses long enough to be like oh yeah that's a five tool ass right there like I just ass <laughs> <laughs> like, that Those was in the, the Moneyball deleted scene. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that uh, ass. <laughs> no, your mean your means awesome. And I I I think it's funny how people sort of keep talking about this like this like um regression that he'll have or whatever, because it's like, yeah, okay, but the dude has like a legit approach as a hit, like a legit hitter's approach. And he's not just swinging at everything. We know that with two strikes, he changes, he changes things around. Um, and for that, I mean, yes, well, we see regression sure, but I don't think that, I mean, I, I don't think this is going on a limb to say, but I don't think that anything that we're seeing or that we've seen is like not legitimate. I think that he's just a really good hitter at the very least. Um, I say put him behind the plate for a couple of games. I mean, we've seen Jake Lamb in seemingly like 30% of the games this season. But he did well in spring training. I mean, that that's the reason why I was surprised that he didn't even play in Cincy, where it's like you, you, get, you did that experiment when you were trying to figure out where he fit on the roster, and you gave him time behind the plate during spring training, and he did well. I mean, there was that one game – that I covered where he threw out like three base runners. So, I mean, he has the arm. He may not have the framing ability that you typically want, but it's good enough. You pair him with a veteran, you're good. But I, it's just, it's, 
it's a weird thing that they haven't gotten into at all. I did hear that he did go under some coaching with a Jerry Naren to work on some catching aspects. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely good to hear. And and I did see the game uh, in summer camp last year where he played he played third base uh, for Moncada when Moncada was out with COVID, and he also played left field a couple of times too. He made an excellent sliding catch. I mean, I know that's like probably not representative of his whole defensive ability, but um, I don't know. I, I might trust your mean a little bit more in left field than than Eloy. I don't know if that's just recently <laughs> biased. Uh, but yeah, I feel as if your mean should at least been, be given more of a chance to be a defensive player. And I think it's really interesting how we, we first saw him on the field as a pitcher. Which... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then space it's really yeah point. yeah 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 and I, I think I was texting Sam too and I'm like I, I know like your mean just has this like long history of a career in the minors and in independent leagues and I'm like did, like has this guy ever pitched and apparently he did apparently he had pitched like well in in one of uh, the uh, the winter leagues he was in but um Again, uh, I, I have my own op- opinions about position players pitching. I think it's funny. I, I, th- I think it's great. Um, I, I never like the circumstances in which it happens, uh, but it, it's just one of those things where you kind of have to find the joy in like otherwise dire situations. Yeah. Well, in that game especially, it was <laughs> beyond dire. I mean, it was it was like whatever, and it was fun. It was fun to watch him, and then Danny Mendick, and he actually did really well mm-hmm. considering. So, yeah, I agree. Another player that, for whatever reason, cannot find their way consistently on the roster. Yeah. Daddy Mendick. Daddy Mendick. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Explain to me, Daddy Mendick, why why can't your son make it on the active (laughs) roster? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's because he's not – he wasn't, like, formally in an organization that Tony LaRusso was the – in the, I don't know. And I'm talking about Jake the I need to never see Jake. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I hate what this team is making me do. I didn't have any problems with Jake Lamb going into this season. I didn't think I would have any reason to have any problems with Jake Lamb. And then they signed him like a day before the season. How how much did anyone think that Jake Lamb was reasonably going to play? Like I mean, when when he was signed, everyone was like, oh, that's a nice filler for Sean Burke. Yeah. Nobody thought it was like, oh, you get a permanent spot as the 25th man on this roster. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not. I, I saw, yeah, I, I saw um, Jonathan Lucroy uh, being more permanent than Jake Lamb, honestly. Same. Oh, I forgot about Same. Lucroy. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> at the Braves or some shit right now. I, I have no idea. Nationals. Oh, Nationals, okay. Yep, hitting 357 too. Dang. I'm sorry, hitting 357. Why do you know that? Um, because I ran. I when the when the Sox signed Brian Goodwin, I was like, I know all of these guys played up the Angels at the same time oh. at some at some point, and I couldn't remember which year. So I was in a Baseball Reference like you know rabbit hole, and I realized that they all played together on the 2019 Angels. And then that's when I, you know, I remember Luke Roy wasn't on the White Sox, but I couldn't remember which team he signed with. And that's when I saw his stats for the the Nationals. So, well, if there's one thing you can all take away from this podcast, it's that Jonathan Luke Roy is weighing 357 with the Nationals. Wow. It's like only a handful of at-bats, but, you know, still good for him. 
<laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was talking to my dad a couple of days ago and I said, I asked the question. It was just a question. I said, when is Jerry Reinsdorf going to die? And he was like, <laughs> and he was question. like, yeah, yeah, just a question. And he goes, he goes, what are you talking? He goes, don't, don't wish that. What are you talking about? I said, I didn't wish anything. I'm just asking. I said, how old is he? And he's like, I don't know, 80 something. And I'm like, I'm just saying that he, up there. at some point, maybe <laughs> we'll die. And because I mean, that's the, that's the way that he would no longer, I'd imagine have direct control of the White Sox. Um, his son will. His son will, but his son with the Bulls seems to maybe whatever. I don't know. I, that's a whole nother thing. But the fact is, is that like, why am I asking that question? Why does it have to be <laughs> again? Just you're, a question. But you're why a Blackhawks fan, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Like it, it's the Bill Wirt situation all over again. Like pretty much. Jerry Reinsdorf has reached Bill Wirt status, where outside of like finding a random cable network to create to make people watch it on his cable network TV <laughs> instead of going to the games, like every other cheap bastardy thing that he could do he's done and it, it, if that's what he wants his legacy to be so be it i mean i know he's won championships with the bulls and he got the one with the white Sox, but i i don't understand i would have rather him gone the illich route of like the tigers where it's like i'm old here's all the money that you could need please yeah. buy me a world series versus whatever the hell this is yeah, that would be phenomenal. If, but that's just not. I don't know. I have so many other Reinsdorf thoughts, but I feel like, you know, you just don't. Sometimes you just want to not put things into the world, if given the choice, if given the opportunity. So I'm just going to hold off from them. And uh, this sounds know. really dark. Like wine, <laughs> hey, wine, sh- wine. Sh- <laughs> Listen, are we uh, about to get into like a true crimes podcast? Like what the hell? Yeah, right you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. If Jerry Reiser did die like overnight or something or like tomorrow, like, listen, you guys, Ryan Sherman. And- yeah, no, I have an alibi. The killer bees, North side socks crossover podcast. Uh, you guys will testify. It's fine. So yeah. I actually met uh, someone who was friends, who, who is friends with Michael Reinsdorf, apparently. Uh, I, I attended a, a two of the Cubs games versus the Dodgers last week. Um, I, I was invited. I, I didn't willingly like purchase tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Traitor! <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure here. But uh, yeah, so this person told me that apparently Charles Comiskey is buried in Evanston and in, in a cemetery that I live not too far away from. So, uh, yes, I was talking to Sam about this, and Sam apparently didn't know about it either. So uh, as a sort of a preview for the next uh, Northside, or not next, but one of our future episodes, we are going to hold a seance to, to <laughs> this talk is true. We're going to go uh, into uh, that Evanston Cemetery. I don't even know the name of it. it. It's the one that's, like, right off Howard. It's right off the, yeah. Yeah, yep. so, so right when you take the red line uh, to Howard, uh, th- th- there's like a big-ass cemetery there. And yeah, apparently Charles Comiskey is buried there, uh, but we will be holding a seance to uh, talk to the ghost of Charles Comiskey to try Hell to yeah. convince him to purchase the team back. I-, I don't know if he's got like like dead 
guy dollars. <laughs> that was how rich people work. Do, 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 do they like pass their money on to like their children or whatnot? Or supposedly like, I don't know how that works. Okay, like I, I just heaven tokens takes, or something. Yeah, <laughs> I just assume he takes he takes his dollars to the sky and they become like sky dollars or. or <laughs> I, I have no idea how death works. I don't know how wealth works. Um, but yeah, we're gonna find out though. Uh, so uh, next episode, uh, next to next. Uh, we will uh, just channel the spirit of Charles Comiskey and uh, not wait for that. That's bring your be shovel because if we if we can't successfully bring him, we will dig. We're gonna dig. <laughs> Gotta take That's a fine. take, we, take we, a we finger. That, yeah, <laughs> no, bring bring the whole body up. We did that to get a manager. We can do it to do an owner. We That's will we also too just have our cash app available. So in case we need bail, uh, then you can Good. definitely kind of. Uh, donate to the sam and janice get out of jail fund <laughs> we you know, also we'll created take, a grave fund <laughs> we'll take the we'll take the uh remains of charles kabisky and put them on sports illustrated's doorstep and there say you go make it that's <laughs> a good really, idea that's a really deep cut right there that's just for the real, <laughs> that's the real uh edit you know, rest yeah, we, are, we are really looking forward to having charles kabisky on as a guest yeah he's gonna be on he'll be yeah. with them. there was I, that I think he'll be great there's a news story recently about those people in Colorado, um, and they found the mummified body of their cult leader wrapped in Christmas lights. So just an Whoa. idea. Wait, did they not what? know? It was a cult, and there were like <laughs> nine people living at this house, and their leader died. And I guess she'd been dead so long, she like mummified, and they had wrapped her in Christmas lights. And the, they somebody finally found out, and it made national news. So I'm just saying you got who, who made the yeah. call on Christmas lights? You gotta keep like, it festive. Yeah. We're I mean, talking that, about that having fun like... during dire <laughs> situations. It sounds like somebody that watched a bad YouTube video that was like, well, I read online, if we use Christmas lights, it'll keep longer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are cult members, so. Is there something like, is there like formaldehyde in like the bulbs or something that that like somehow. Yeah. Bury me in Merck's cheddar. Just bury me in <laughs> I hear you my body. Dip, dip your pretzels. You no. could probably get embalmed in Merck's cheddar. As I think so. Has eaten their fair share. That sounds what good. I want to be buried in, like maybe like port wine cheese, maybe. Yeah, that's like the red. That that's a good yeah. one too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. I have an. I have a, a question. So you know how um, I was talking yesterday with somebody about this. Um, when you. Also, just I want to preface this by saying that this is this is the part of the podcast that if you're still listening, thank you. And uh, it's been really enjoyable. <laughs> but uh, but so my question is this. So like, I wonder now, people f- seem to fear death in general. Well, some people fear death. But I was thinking about like, what is the best part of living? What's the best part of life? It's sleep. So if we can think about death as uh, we're all agreeing on this, everything I'm saying, we're all in agreement. Um, if, 100%. yeah. So if, if sleeping is the best thing and regardless of what you think about like the afterlife or not, or whatever, if we just take death as like, it's like, and again, the best part about sleeping is not going to sleep and it's not waking up in the morning and laying in bed. It's sleep. It's the sleep part. So I don't know why people fear death so much. Wow. That's, that's absolutely deep. 
Well, it's three nothing going into the top of the ninth inning in Kansas City. <laughs> Just in time for an existential crisis. Brought to you by. I think, I think it's time for us to take a break. I think yeah, uh, yeah Brett can put it. <laughs> brought to you by Roman. Break. Here's your existential crisis. Break. I hope he puts a cremation commercial in here. Or maybe like a natural burial. I'm, I'm sure that is one of our sponsors we have lined up on Southside Socks. <laughs> the industrial death industry is out of, it's out of control. Cremation, dick pills, I, I, I think. <laughs> see all sorts of ads tacked on to our episodes, I think. Just a circle of life. It is. It absolutely is. Um, yeah, whether it's like getting up or getting down. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I th- I've been thinking about that recently. Not in a bad way. I've just never, I never considered death. And then all of a sudden, you know, I turned 28 years old. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, it's it's going to happen at some point. Oh shit, dude! I'm, I'm a, you're a baby. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say. Wait, no, I didn't say that 28 signified anything. I just said that I happened to turn 28, and I happened to started to think think about death, about your mortality, was, about your mom, mortality. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, think, yeah, I, I, I think a lot about. I, th- I think the covering the socks in the pandemic last year, like, certainly made me think a lot about death, and I guess like my relation to. Uh, I suppose, uh, relaying information to the living, I suppose. And Sam, I think you and I might've spoken about this before. Like the, the one time we, when we covered the Lucas Giolito no hitter, that was like the first time I met you in person. And so like, I just remember just like, I, I, I felt as if you being present in the moment wasn't real. I, I felt as if that was less real than Lucas Giolito throwing the no hitter on the field. Just mainly because like human interaction had been like so limited. And the fact that, uh, yeah, uh, just this past year, I equated just like just death with being alone and just like being on my own and being isolated. So to have someone like actually taking in this experience with me, like felt so incredibly just like ethereal, like uh, it, it felt so incredibly like just fake. And so like, when I looked back at you, like that was just like me, like trying to validate, like, are we like seriously kind of like having this experience in tandem? And I think that's a lot different with a lot of people who like say witness the Carlos Redon no hitter in person. And I know plenty of people who did that too, where they were all just kind of taking it in as fans. Uh, And I mean, like you and I were working, but it's just such a different experience to experience um, like massive events like that, uh, significant events like that with other people. Like, so. Yeah. I am infinitely jealous of that because when the White Sox clinched, I shared my experience with Rich King and Bruce Levine. And those were my people that I got to look at and be like, wow, we're experiencing this together. I mean, that's not quite as impactful as what you just described. Listen, Rich King and Bruce Levine, no joke. They're legends in this town. They are. They are. They are. Yeah. More, like less so Tommy Barbie, though. I, yeah. I, that, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, as far as checks in the mail, Janice, thank you for that. <laughs> serious like bruce versus tommy like come on as far, as far, i, I as far, usually don't have typos in my tweets i'll give you that but 
true. You don't. Yeah. Janice, no, Rich that King was a... very nice, though. Like, yeah, I was surprised at how nice he was because usually folks like that are, are kind of dismissive. But um, yeah, I, I don't know where you guys ended up when you were covering the games, but I was all the way at the end, Same. like basically by the heater where it was like, yeah, yeah. okay, it's yeah, 80 too. degrees in this corner. Um, and Rich King was like one of the few people that talked to me uh, pretty regularly at the games. Yeah, yeah, he, he he. I had the same experience with him. He was very kind. He also was very frustrated whenever games would go into extra innings. Um, and I don't blame him. Yes, yeah, been covering <laughs> sports for that long, I, I, I get it. Um, but Janice, that was a very uh, beautiful way of describing that. And you know, how did we ever know that um, feeling? You know, feeling life would be, you know, sharing a booth with uh, with Scott Merkin. And Daryl Van Scowen and yeah. you know all the all of the White Sox, the White Sox beat. Lamon Pope, uh, yeah, yeah, James Hagen, uh, yeah, and I think just like one Vinny other, Duber, yeah, Vinny Duber too. Like there, there were just like so many like, random points of humanity that I remember from covering games, like like Scott Merkin sticking his head in my section and like just being like, "Hey, hey, Janice, what's up?" And I'm like, "Scott, hey." <laughs> But I, I think even, you know, taking it a step further, even just thinking about the fact that we all interact on Twitter and like, you know, here we are kind of shooting the ship on a Friday night, like we're, you know, out at a bar somewhere, but we're on, on Zoom. Like, I, I think taking it a, a step further in terms of existential crisis, it's just like when you think about how you connect with people or what a true connection means or looks like that has changed so oh, yeah. drastically yeah. over the last year where like I never would have found myself in most of the situations, let alone put myself out there. But because of the pandemic, it's like, Oh, totally resetting my priorities, what I, you know, what my values are and all of that. And really, taking more risk and taking more opportunities to kind of seek people out where I normally wouldn't for that reason. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where, like you said, we would never, we'd never know that. Like, I mean, even zoom, it's like who, who had zoom, who was ever going to use zoom for, you know, this kind of stuff. And I think, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of beautiful really. (laughs) I think you're a ghost, Sam. I, you know, I might be, I also question, I question a lot of things. It's all just every day goes by. And I think (laughs) especially when it comes to like the whole pandemic, especially in the the scope of baseball has made me question like corporeal nature a lot, that the fact that we can't see each other in person is due to the fact that like, yeah, we, we have bodies and bodies are gross. Bodies carry germs, bodies spread viruses. So uh, yeah, I, I made like some shit post a few days ago about how, um, yeah, it, it should be acceptable to wear absolutely anything to a baseball game. But uh, like, what if we didn't have bodies? What, what if we're just like non-corporeal beings just kind of floating through the ether attending these baseball games? And, uh, yeah, I, I guess like in re- relation to, uh, my own body and especially to how I reacted to my second shot of the vaccine, 
Uh, a lot of it was, uh, I guess, trusting my immune system to kind of build those antibodies uh, in anticipation for uh, reintegrating back into society, like whatever that looked like. Um, but it's it's been an interesting time of exploration and kind of just like learning. Like I, I've learned so much. I, I've learned like what my 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 own body is capable of, uh, what mr what mnra vac- vaccines do. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a a really fun, interesting time for me. So I don't know about y'all. But. Yeah, I think too to your point about getting the second vaccine. It's weird because it, um, my day job people are sharing like, Hey, I'm going to go get my second vaccine or I got my first one and I might be sick. And other people are like, Oh, which one did you get? And it's actually like sharing on another personal level. And it, and I'm lucky to have like a job that's very understanding and of, you know, like needing to take time. Um, but being able to be that open about like, Hey, I really don't feel good on like a mass level is really interesting. And that's something like, when I was getting my vaccine, I went to a national guard site and it was like, holy crap, there's a ton of people here and we're all doing the same thing. And there was like a good, but you know, weird energy, but good energy in the air. Um, and it's actually like, even though it's been very controversial and, you know, there's still people who are like, I'm not getting the vaccine and I'm not wearing masks. It was like a rare kind of collectivism that I don't feel like we have a lot in the U S that's usually only reserved for times of disaster. Like, you know, we've experienced it with like 9-11 maybe, but, and this is really something new on that level. So yeah, I guess in that way, it's positive. (laughs) I think, I think too, like even on like a mental health aspect of it, of like, I, I found that people seem to be more open just being like, and when asked like, how are you doing? Or how's, how are things going? Like people being more open, just being like, you know what? Like not great. Or like saying that, like, you know, not, not going great or like, you know, just because like, it's so easy to be when asked, like, how are you doing? Just be like, yeah, I'm fine or I'm good or whatever. And I think it's like, it's important to be able to, cause like, we're all going through this like sort of collective trauma, yay, um, of the pandemic and all that and, and everything else that's going on in our lives, um, individually. But I think that one of the things is like, people are almost like, I don't know why, if it's just like being resigned or whatever, but like people are sort of like, you know, throughout this time and hopefully moving forward, you know, with stuff opening or whatever and people getting um, vaccinated and all that will change. But I think that just being open and, and being okay, just saying like, yeah, I'm not doing great. And and then having those conversations, I think that's so huge. And I hope that that doesn't go away. Again, I want people, I don't want people to be not doing great, but at the same time, um, if people are like, it's okay to just be like, yeah, I'm not I'm going through some shit or I'm, you know, or I'm feeling this way. I think those are like very, and I think that people got more comfortable, you know, a little bit with, with doing that. Not everybody, but I think some people just got, you know, to a point where any kind of human interaction, uh, people were being maybe more, more honest or more vulnerable, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that I've noticed the most too, because especially with, with my job, like that's, where we just like on our slack channel it's just like if somebody's having a rough time they'll say hey you know really not having a good day today and you know we'll say is there anything we can do or is there anything you need help with or i'll just be like hey you you have the time off take the time off if you need it and and all of that but just being open in that way 
new. And I, and I do feel like that's something that hasn't really been discussed as openly and honestly as it has been since the pandemic. Um, and it's, it's a good thing, I think, because you're right. So many people just say, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Meanwhile, like there's 5 million awful things happening in, in your brain. And that's the story of my life too. So I, I totally get that. But being able to, even if you can't articulate exactly what's going on, but just being like, Hey, not really on my game today. Just wanted to let you know, and being able to say that and not worry about what the response is going to be is just, I know for me, it's been a huge lift, Um, you know, not even just thinking about the pandemic, but like even in terms of like all of the social justice issues that have happened over the past year, like being comfortable enough to say, hey, I'm really having a a hard time because all this is going on and I don't really know how to react. And I'm just kind of at my max capacity and being able to say that has been um, really kind of a cool experience. And I hope that that sense of humanity doesn't go away with things going back to normal. Yeah, we're really well said. And I think like, it's like, that's the part that I guess worries me a bit is like, once things are, you know, I don't know if Chicago is actually opening in July or whatever they're saying, whatever that is, but like once things are like open, open, and once we're all that, you know, will people remember, like, remember what it's like through this and, and sort of some of the rel- very relative positives and all that, or will it just be like, no, 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 it's time to go back to fucking Wrigleyville and, you know, and like uh, nothing ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which like which like that's fine too, but like you know, but not necessarily like the nothing ever happened. Like I hope there's like acknowledgement of it and understanding and like just general compassion um, that can like I, I uh, whenever I'm in a master's program now for uh, clinical mental health counseling, and people always say whenever I tell them that they're like they're like oh my god you're gonna have a job forever with what's going on and and like I always get really uneasy about that because it's just like great like collect like this like you know, mental health crisis, like is going to keep me employed. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not, you know, that's not a, very unsettling to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, but it's, but it's also just like, we're going through like this time, like right now, like as we sit here that we don't even know the impacts. And so I just hope that people can continue to be um, compassionate to whatever. And that goes for friends and family. And I think employers, hopefully um, to another extent. And, and this may be this understanding, like also like, you don't have to like this culture that we have here of like, you don't have to like work at like max capacity and like, you don't have to be like max efficient and all this kind of stuff. And it's okay. If some days you're just needing to Tommy, like you were saying, like, you know what, like today's not great. And and it's going to be like that. And we'll see how tomorrow is all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. Also, on a side note, Janice, every time I hit the screen and I see Dick Magigrill written in, in lowercase letters, it's quite enjoyable. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really glad. I, I'm really glad I can bring that kind of joy uh, to your life. And I think that's it. That's also too, like kind of what we've been doing this entire time. Um, like, especially coming from a, from a news media perspective. Uh, I don't think I've like written more or like just even podcasted more in this past year than I ever have. And like, as a result, like, I, I feel I've become a better writer. I, I feel just like just exposing myself to like different editors. I got a chance to write for baseball perspective 
this first time which is really cool um and now i'm writing for nbc too which is super cool as well um yeah like we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of this like i guess i, I don't want to call it kind of like learn at home type expansion but um i i just feel as if like professionally i'm much better now than i was about a year ago and and again who like who knew like that like the circumstances that brought us all to this point um and if that was going to like happen anyway or if it if it was weirdly pushed along or aided from a pandemic <laughs> again not not to say like but you know what i'm saying it's just like uh we don't really know <laughs> and so um i don't know i have a question for for y'all what uh what's something now that maybe we're getting uh all vaccinated hopefully and moving along here what's something that like what's like the what's like the thing that you've been like really like waiting or wanting to do because I found that um I like I thought that like being amongst people was going to be something that I would really like like I was like missing and then I actually like a couple weeks ago I was on I went to I traveled to California and I went to the airport for like the first time in you know however long and I was just like oh no 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 I actually hate people and I don't like this at all. I romanticize this well, uh, incorrectly. It's not like the airport is fun though. No, that that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. It's always terrible. <laughs> to be fair though. <laughs> but well, yeah, what 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 have you like what's what's something that's like maybe that you didn't even ever expect that you'd be like, man, I really want to do this and I haven't been able to. Uh, this is going to sound really strange, uh, but I don't know. Maybe strange is relative uh, to this group here, but <laughs> I, I want to go see some animals. I want to go to the zoo. Go, go take a look at some polar bears. Uh, I, I've, I've been like obsessed with seals, especially on TikTok. I always see like some <laughs> cute seal videos. Um, and I guess the other thing is that I, I want to attend a, a baseball game uh, featuring uh, a team I'm actually invested in. So I went to two Cubs games last week and that was all fine and good, but it was all very clinical. It was all very detached. It's me just like analyzing like pitchers like Clayton Kershaw or like, I don't know, Kyle Hendricks or like, like guys that like, I, I, I like as pitchers, but like, I, I'm not like necessarily a fan of but um but yeah i'm looking forward to get to getting to some white Sox games next week that's a good answer anything from the killer bees or you've just told you're actually totally fine yeah this is great (laughs) (laughs) i don't even i get (laughs) i mean i i think for me it's a well for one i will say as somebody that just went to the zoo last week i highly recommend it. it 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 was very therapeutic just like seeing animals like totally chill just like happy as can be being like hey i'm just here laying out in the sun i'm good like everything's fine um i think for me it's it's that shared experience thing like the the two things that i knew i would miss but like to the degree that i'm missing them i didn't really expect are like white Sox games but also like concerts like just being in a, in a space preferably open because I still don't think I can do a, an indoor concert yet but taking in an experience like that and sharing that with other people is 
something that I really do miss and am looking forward to. So um, just being able to do something as simple as that. Yeah, I agree with concerts. I think for me, though, the thing that I think kind of like we've talked about throughout this call, um, just this year, and I've talked to Tommy a little bit about this, has made me really like reprioritize people in my life, people I interact with. And I've always been a little more of an introvert. So it's been nice to learn how to communicate in different ways with people and know that like, hey, now all of my friends, we don't have to hang out in person. We have been like getting on Zoom calls and watching Lifetime movies together, which is crazily fun, like more fun sometimes than like gathering in person. Yeah, because you're like, this movie's terrible. Let's make fun of it and get (laughs) drunk. Um, And we don't have to spend money. We just like sit and do it. But as far as in-person things, I honestly... I'm just looking forward to traveling for fun. I've traveled to see my family during this time, um, but I'm just today booked my first trip uh, for fun just to go camping at Big Bend in Texas. So I'm super psyched about that just for like a change of scenery, a change of pace. And even though a lot of the time I'll be out there with like nobody around, it'll just be something different and not like my apartment every day. So I think that, I've had like wanderlust. I always have, but then throughout this whole time, I'm like crazy. So it just feels like mind blowing to be like, oh my God, a trip to look forward to. That's phenomenal. So we got the zoo, we got concerts, we got traveling for fun. Traveling for fun. You know, speaking of concerts, I, well, I'll say what mine is, but I'm, this might just end the podcast to be honest, but (laughs) I, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think how to say this. I'm just going to preface this by saying, okay, how do I put this? I am white. Okay. Thank you. And breaking <laughs> news. Breaking. Sam is white. Um, and one of the things that I feel like as like a white, as like a white dude, like one of the things that I feel like I've not, I, well, not that I feel like I haven't done that. I think as much as I, in my life, I thought that I, would always like be able to avoid and it all it took was a pandemic and not being able to go to a concert in, you know, over a year, whatever, um, is that I had this urge the other day to, I haven't bought the tickets yet, but, um, I'm going to, I think to go see Dave Matthews. (laughs) Hey, I am on board with that. I, I have probably been to more Dave Matthews band concerts than you would expect. No, I, I love, I mean, I, no, it's just that I, I've, I feel like this is like very hard to talk about. Like I like, I like Dave Matthews a little bit. <laughs> and you're, you're allowed to like Dave Matthews fan. This is a safe I know, space. But it's like, it's you're in just. You're a safe-ish space. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I've never like, I've never really told anybody other than like my cousin who kind of digs Dave Matthews too, um, that I like Dave Matthews. And I'm, I don't know like a lot of Dave Matthews stuff, but I enjoy some of it. So anyway, Dave Matthews is coming to Chicago and I think I'm going to go to that concert and I've never seen Dave Matthews. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, assuming that he doesn't, you know, dump his literal shit into the Chicago river. I feel like uh, that's, that's kind of okay to do. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it, it, like you do you, it, it, it's been a long year. So help me. I, I think you I, I'm sensing judgment in that answer from Janice. 
I mean, it, it's not something personally I would do uh, after being quarantined for like a year and a half. But you know what? If, if it makes you happy, Sam, I, I more than will support you on that front. I have a follow-up question, though. What are any like safe for work, weird quarantine like habits or comfort you guys have found? I said safe for work. Oh, I can. I can. You don't have to look at me while you say that. That's not nice. <laughs> um, dang. Is it show and tell? He's gonna show. I, I guess, like, if, if we're being like, if we have to go safe for work, uh, probably <laughs> one thing that's kept me sane is my Peloton right there. I don't know if I can like point there. Like, there it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm so jealous of your Peloton. I, I, I love that fucking thing. I know. Like, like when everyone I everyone does. Yeah, when when I ordered it, everyone was like, "Oh, it's like gonna be the most expensive coat rack you'll you'll own." I'm like, "Fuck you, dude! I use it every fucking day." And I'm <laughs> yeah, so. But, um, but yeah, it, it's great. The instructors are great. Uh, they they tell me that they love me and and that I'm doing well and that um, they tell me that's to worth the price on its own. Exactly, the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would pay so much money just to hear that every day. <laughs> They tell me that I should smile because I woke up today. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's definitely wow. well well worth the price um, that uh, that I pay to jump on that bike. Oh, that's I. You know, I think that I'm jealous of that based on the fact that if I bought a Peloton, it would be like a coat rack, like 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 <laughs> like was like was joked about. Um, but uh, mine is. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. Uh, my, my... <laughs> Sleepy time tea. Extra. Oh, extra. Extra. That's the Valerian too, man. I, yeah. I'm well aware of that shit. Yeah. Can I just say, why Why the hell am I only learning about Valerian now? Like, it's the best thing ever. And it's like, it's not even, there's not even a close second. It's like... It knocks me out. It doesn't make me, it, it like literally just knocks me out. It gives me everything I want out of a nighttime tea. You know, that I can't believe, listen, I love you guys. I can't believe we've made it to this one. <laughs> the nighttime tea reviews. Unboxing. Like talking about like sleepy time tea. I, I think we found a spinoff for you. Yeah. I, I think we have <laughs> reviews. No, seriously, if anyone has trouble sleeping, this episode is fun. No, that, that shit works. I, I'm not yeah. knocking that at all. Yeah, I've tried the Sleepy Time, but the Sleepy Time uh, Valerian uh, tea, I, like, honestly, like, literally, look at, like, look at my background. Oh, wow. Wow. Like, you eat. This MF has the sleep time here because his, his his phone background. That's incredible, Sam. Wow. He pays for yeah. the sleepy time only fans. Sleepy time. <laughs> I, I have on mine. But... Where's the Giolito T? Answer me that. What? The Giolito T. The Giolito sleepy time nighttime T. I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of what that might taste like. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think the FDA would approve a Lucas Giolito flavored tea. Beard <laughs> uh, hairs in it. He, he, he just sits in, in a hot tub for like like 30 minutes and then like that's the water you use to make the tea. Oh. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I thought that that's what you meant. I, I thought that's what you meant by Lucas no, that- Giolito tea. 
it yeah, it it is it isn't it isn't but we're, we're, he, we're he's literally he's literally the tea bag like, like he just sits in, in, in boiling water wait and, what you know what janice, to be honest, janice honestly i will not be judged for the dave matthews stuff if you're gonna be talking about drinking lucas Gilito's bath water okay you okay? brought it up you brought it up sam you're the one. that's true i did i did uh right, killer, killer beast what's your uh What's your quarantine quarantine quirks, as we say on the podcast? I'll go. Um, the first half of quarantine. <laughs> I just saw your name. <laughs> <laughs> news, breaking news, Sam is. Flash, my- yep. News flash for all to know. <laughs> this is a cry for help to the audience. <laughs> Sam is white. And if you don't know, he's listening to Dave Matthews Band. So. <laughs> Sam is a caricature. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I was in grad school, finishing up grad school the first half. So I was like, I hate my life and everything sucks. But then once I had time, I started going to the gym and lifting weights. So that was cool. And it's not that exciting. But it was good. But I meant to go That's sweet. Ripped. Lifting is good. Lifting is good. Yeah. What would you say? Do you you have a wagon like, uh, say, like Adam Engel does? I'll never have a wagon like that. No. So it was it was worth asking you though. It motivates me though. (laughs) I think about it. I'm like, I can't. You have like a picture of Adam Eaton, and you're like, yeah, I'll get there. Yeah. Kind of look as as motivation. Exactly. Yeah, I have I have a little like magazine tear out in my closet, and I'm like me it's gonna be soon i will transform i lift weights is something that i would say if i lifted weights but i don't get pumped (laughs) getting ripped (laughs) i own weights i just i just don't lift you don't lift them (laughs) (laughs) you look i mean it having them there builds credibility yeah i can i can look at but the problem is you can't even use that as a coat rack it's too low to the ground there's not you could shoe a shoehorn for a door stopper but that's about it that's pretty much what it's gonna do yeah (laughs) all right so tommy what's yours you know i i don't really have anything um strangely enough like one i i think i've gone to the extreme for this whole pandemic because i mean i got a new job i moved um so like i've done the whole he's left the city and gone off to the grid like every millennial article that you read in the new york times um but you know i think honestly this helps me a lot because um quite honestly i i usually am struggling with writer's block or struggling with getting my ideas out and um, I have like the worst case of imposter syndrome. So the minute that I do something, it's just like, okay, that that's great that that's out there, but no one's going to read it. And I kind of live with that. And it's been a switch between having that mentality to covering the White Sox games during the pandemic, which was just like both the most surreal and kind of coolest experience ever. And um <laughs> Nice name. I remember reaching out to Johan Moncada 
and being like, <laughs> I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Help me. And you were like, well, I'm the expert because I am Yoan Mongata and I'm going to guide you through this journey. And because of your insights and just kind of giving me the, the, what I needed to like even adjust to the idea of covering a team that I've watched since I was a kid and doing these podcasts with Keelan um, and really just kind of being able to find a community and a voice and doing all of that has really helped me in, in a lot of ways, just kind of get comfortable with writing. And, and I knew you could do it. I, I knew you could absolutely <laughs> do it. Just mainly because I, I was in your same shoes, just like not too long ago too, where uh, I was really unsure about whether I had anything to add to the conversation. I mean, like I've been watching the White Sox for like for forever and uh, just seeing everyone's takes and seeing just like the, the, the discourse that was out, like in the, in the open, uh, I was really having a hard time finding where I fit into all of that. And, uh, it wasn't until like, maybe I started talking to like the greater baseball Twitter community, the, like, like, like the greater baseball community that I really learned that, yeah, there needs to be more people who look like me more people who look like you, uh, more people who uh, look like everyone here, uh, except you, Sam, sorry. That's, uh, that's but true. No. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I honestly think, um, like, Sam, you've been, like, a really fantastic ally to uh, us non-male, uh, non-white baseball writers. So so thank you. Cheers to that, to my empty glass right here. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anytime where I can see uh, just someone who's unrepresented in the in the community, I, I will be more than happy to to help, like uh, promote your voice, pr- promote your stuff, promote your whatever. Yeah, I I think um, I don't know how to say this, but I feel like White Sox, like the White Sox uh, community, White Sox Twitter, whatever you want to call it, um, I think has like some awesome, awesome people. I think a lot of those awesome people are. Uh, quite frankly associated with with our uh with our little team at Southside Sox and all that um but I also think that it's very it can also be like very like one way uh it can be very kind of like white Sox. and again maybe this is like every fan baseball fan base on Twitter or whatever but I think it can it can end up being like um yeah, it, it, it's a, it, it is, you know, a lot of white dudes talking about the White Sox and talking about different things. And, um, at a certain point, uh, that is, you know, Janice, you couldn't have said any better, but like that is what's been really awesome about this community that we have. Um, and all the people that I've met, which is like, oh yeah, like it turns out that like there's a lot of fucking people who are not like white guys that are baseball fans and that love the White Sox and that love the, the sport as a whole and all that. Um, and I think that to be able to, you know, take in all of that hashtag content, um, <laughs> you know, every single day and all that is, is really awesome. But just getting to like, getting to like, you know, going into, I'll put it this way and then I'll, and I'll wrap up my little spiel here. But like, I think going into the pandemic, uh, and, and which also tied into like covering the White Sox and all that stuff, like not knowing like all y'all and then everybody else that I've met through this. Um, and then now knowing everybody, it's kind of amazing. Like I was definitely a person who was like very much about like, I all like 
as recent as a couple of years ago, I was like, I've met all of the people that I want to meet. Like I, I have all of the, like all of my friends are the only friends that I like, whatever. And that the only, like, and obviously the, there was a, it's funny. Cause like through the pandemic, like I've met so many awesome people that it's like, Oh yeah, no, it's, it's actually okay to like meet other people. And it's okay to like, you know, you can have new friendships and, at the, at the ripe old age of 28. Um, that, that's okay. I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, seriously. And it's, it's, and I think that our community at Southside Sox and just the little corner that we've all kind of, um, caved out or built out here, or whatever is, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love y'all. Awesome. My God. Look at this. We're not ending this podcast until tears are just rolling down the faces. Right? (laughs) (laughs) White Sox won today, by the way. Yes, the White Sox won. They they played well. Three nothing. Uh, So there were some tense moments with uh, Liam Hendricks on the mound. Uh, He uh, did not run the bases this time, um, but he was able to get out, out of the bottom of the ninth. Uh, but yeah, the, that was a White Sox winner, my friends. And Carlos Rodon improves to five and zero with a point five eight ERA. Wow. So, oh my god, that's crazy! Scoreless streak uh, extends too. I, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I don't think he's had a run score in quite a bit on him. That's crazy. Hey, the stuff the stuff looks legit. Carlos is back. He's going to sign a huge. Boris contract, not with the White Sox after the season. So let's enjoy it. You know what? Um, yeah, he bet on himself this year. Uh, so, and I think like, yeah, the White Sox also took a chance there. I, yeah. And, and, um, yeah. yeah. There was definitely a chance taken on, on both ends there. And so I'm happy uh, for Carlos because, yeah, he's going to land into a big fat pile of money next year. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for us too because, uh, yeah, as White Sox fans, we get to uh, just – uh, enjoy the fruits of his labor and how well he's been doing this year. Absolutely. And he'll be on the Mets next year, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen A. Cohen or whatever is already exactly. just salivating. <laughs> yep. <laughs> over this uh, over this upcoming deal. I can, um, I can go on the Dodgers actually, just mainly because um, yeah, uh, once once Trevor Bauer falls apart and. They've also had like so many injuries on their team. But how's Trevor Bauer doing? I haven't paid attention to him. Feels <laughs> <laughs> great. My best friend Trevor Bauer. Uh, yeah, uh, I honestly can't remember. I, I I didn't go to the Cubs game where he pitched against the Cubs. I was kind of hoping the Cubs would light him up. Hey, wait a minute. Trevor Bauer's agent is a woman. He okay. He's the true hero of the. Uh, he is the feminist. God. Yeah, he's yeah. a robust fem- feminism. Yeah, absolutely. And Janice, as you pointed out, Yohan Moncada's agent is also a woman, and yet yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Yohan Moncada's agent is also a woman, and I believe, uh, yeah, CC Sabathia's wife Amber just recently became um, an MLB agent. So, oh, yeah, uh, what whatever Rachel says, she is not the only female agent in MLB. Uh, nor nor is she even uh, close to the first. but tommy oh but thick nasty as as your name is now isn't is she is she the only girl boss though hashtag girl boss 
In in her mind, yes. I feel as if like, yeah, uh, so Trevor Bauer's agent is like this pinnacle of girl boss feminism where you just have like this, like this one woman at the top of everything that just does absolutely nothing to help other women around her. Like, like she, she's the one that's just like, I made it. Uh, here's my success. I am going to do absolutely nothing to ensure that the success of other women, uh, like especially women of color uh, or yeah, um, uh, like people who aren't cisgender uh, are, are are going to like make it along with me. It, it's all just very self-serving, all very mm-hmm. self-directed. So that that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't like her. And um, one of the reasons why I'm blocked by her. So <laughs> Oh, congratulations. Yeah. It's yeah, toxic seriously. as hell too. It absolutely I mean, is. Like, I just, I, I think it would bother me less if people called her out on it, but just like, you know, getting the ESPN treatment and yeah. all the other stuff that just kind of hype up this fake belief that she's the only one out there doing it. And she's all by herself. And if it weren't for her, no one else would be doing it. And she's representing women, but she's representing a very small slice of the pie. And it's just like, it. there's so many problems with, with everything about her. I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it, to be honest. Yeah. It is well, weird. It's like, you know, Barstool CEO or whatever is a woman. So that allows them to sort of. everything okay, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's everything okay. I, I feel as if a lot of these problematic organizations, like Barstool especially, will find, I guess, like token people of color, token women, mm-hmm. and kind of, like put them in absolutely. The yeah, like, hey, like 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 this one, th- 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 this like literally one black person is vouching for us, or this one woman yeah. is vouching for us. So therefore, everything that we do falls under the umbrella of not being problematic. And I'm like, no, it does not work that way. I'm also, you know, I'll just say this too. Like, I, I want to shoot this out into the socks, and I don't know if anyone's even listening still at this point. But if you are, thank you so much. But either way, uh, you should be because this has been a great, a great fucking show. But, uh, <laughs> but like. I also just want to shoot this out into the White Sox, you know, community. Um, can we stop? Like, like there's a lot of, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of White Sox folks out there who are really, uh, okay, how do I put this? They're really like all about that bar stool. And I really, you know, I'd really, it's, it's annoying and it's frustrating because there's a lot of people that I like um, in the community that I think are, that are that are you know associate themselves or certainly don't disassociate themselves with that part of it um and uh it's frustrating but you know that's why i think though that's also why going back just a second like what we were just talking about with what with what Southside Sox is and in our community that's what i love about what we do um because that is i think um unfortunately fortunately and unfortunately like we're very independent from that whole part of uh, Sox Twitter and the Sox community of um, of that. So I don't know. I just I needed to say it. I felt like saying it. No, it's <laughs> valid too. I mean, I, I feel the same way. But I think too, being like a woman and saying that, it's like you automatically have a target on your back, which mm-hmm. sometimes I don't care about, but other times it's. I mean, there's so many bar stool people that it's like you say anything if they catch a whiff of it, it's like it's not even worth it. But yeah. I agree completely. 
And and I also put some of that on the organization too, because I mean, it's just like from an access standpoint, yeah. Barstool has been given so much yes. leeway well, and yeah. coverage compared to us or yeah. any other blog that's out there where, you know, we have to work, you know, three times as hard to get access or, or entry to anything where Barstool just kind of gets it because they have the exposure. Right. And, and I think that's part of it too. And I think, was it the National Women's Hockey League that limited? Yeah. The, was it with Barstool? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. They like limited access and we're like, no, like our values don't align, which was bold, but I admire that. I and mean, like as a woman, I admire that because it's like, thank you because they don't represent women for the most part. So, or a lot of, a lot of people. So it was nice to see that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, just, uh, you know, be careful who you follow. Be care not literally like, not, I'm talking, not even talking about like follow on Twitter, but like, this is, this is like a general statement out to the, to the White Sox community. You know, these are barstools, barstool, but that's that. Also real quickly, did you guys know that I just saw this Wade Miley threw a no hitter tonight? What? wait seriously <laughs> i i just saw this wade miley of the apparently this he's on the cincinnati reds threw a no hitter against cleveland because <laughs> sean Manea had one through seven innings and then he lost it what's going on the reds this frightening photo what the fuck is that <laughs> oh the crap like like six minutes ago but yeah that that is like single like oh yeah i see that wow oh, i see it now Got Damn. No. Okay, dang. Okay, if Wade Miley can throw a no hitter, that means they really fucked up the baseball because that that's <laughs> his career. I thought ended oh, at least baseball. several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't yeah. something something called a John Means through a no hitter like a couple days yes. ago? Yeah. Now- <laughs> Did you see the pitches that he was throwing? Like they were all like seventy mile an hour curveballs that were just kind of floating over into the plate, and nobody could hit it. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's once my, again. Yeah. My baseball news is that yeah, Wade Miley threw no hitter. The White Sox are a half a game, um, have a half game lead, and they're currently in first place. A thirty nine plus thirty nine run differential, but the Detroit Tigers with a Nearly nice, negative minus sixty-eight run differential, uh, which is which is that's impressively bad. That's there is Janice. I texted you this the other day, and it still holds up. There is not even a close second as far as the the second worst uh, run differential. Run differential, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, run differential is an interesting stat because it, it's not necessarily indicative of how the team is playing now, but definitely is indicative of how a team will eventually, I guess, maybe flesh out within the, the weeks following. And I think oh. uh, the Royals in particular is, are, are a great evidence. Are, are yes. Evidence. Like what the, f- uh, yeah, it's like, we're, we're, we're like an hour and a half into this. You're fine. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Words. Fuck them. Differential. <laughs> the evidence that um, yeah, some of these teams will certainly fall back to earth eventually. Good. So speaking of stat anom- anomalies, did anyone see the uh, or hear about the Barons game, Birmingham Barons game last night? Yeah, that they walked like fifty billion people in one inning. Thirteen batters in a single inning and threw eighty-seven pitches. Wow. That's like an entire game right there. Yes. 
I bought that shirt like three or four years ago. That was like Luis and Aloy and Michael and Dylan and Alec. (laughs) 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 And so it's like, I, I, I forgot until I saw that that's the uh, box score last night in the Barons game. It's like, oh yeah, Alec Hansen is still in the organization. He's still a thing and still can't throw over the plate. Still a thing. Um, well, I mean, I think it's pretty great that the Miners are back, though. Um, yes. So I think they opened their season, what, like like, like two days ago, three days ago? Yep. Time is so, time is so fluid to me. Uh, so <laughs> a lot of these guys just didn't have like just jobs for an entire year. I think we should definitely uh, discuss that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's probably been very hard for all of the minor leaguers financially. The, they, they didn't get paid. Um, they're still not unionized. Uh, so there's like so many, uh, so many problems there. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's good to see the minor leagues back. It, it's good to see uh, those games uh, taking place. I'm glad they're back. I just, I really feel for, for them, even just from the aspect of like, that's a whole year of development just Mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, most of them didn't have an opportunity to travel to, you know, a fall league or a short season or, you know, an alternate camp or anything like they just didn't have work for a year. And now they're expected to, hopefully pick right back up where they left off. But I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. Cause that that's a long time to be completely away from any sort of activity to right back into a, basically a full season schedule. Or if you're Jake Berger, just start at triple a and then hurt yourself in the first game. Yeah. Which I just like, I'm <laughs> like, my God, man, could you just, I, I want to wrap him in bubble wrap and just be like, please just swing the bat. And we'll yeah. get somebody to run for you. Yeah, that that was just um, unfortunate. Was he was he a first round pick? Yep. Mm. Yeah, you know what? I guess injuries. It's hard to it's hard to be too hard on the pick because injuries and whatnot. But yeah, but he had a limited ceiling to begin with as a first true. and third baseman. I mean. <laughs> Like I, I will never let this go, but it's not a good idea to draft as many first basemen or college bats as White Sox have done over the course of the last decade. Like they, they don't usually draft athletes and that's what you need because those are the guys that usually may take longer to develop, but their ceilings are a lot higher. Absolutely. Like Jared Mitchell first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I heard, um, our, our, our colleague, uh, James Fox was on the Locked on Sox podcast. I don't know if you guys had a chance to hear, but, uh, he was, he told a story about Jerry Reinsdorf in the minor leagues and, um, Herb Lawrence, I think had asked like why the White Sox, um, or he asked about like, he was disappointed that the White Sox didn't like utilize like Kane County or, or one of those other local, relatively local places to have a minor league, uh, or an offsite you know, camp for minor leaguers and James Fox shared an anecdote that I guess in like the mid two thousands or early two thousands, Jerry was, was considering that like bringing a minor league team, like more locally, except he was afraid. Apparently this is true. He was afraid that the minor league affiliate would outdraw the uh, major league team, which 
seems so yes like, this is a true story okay so you've heard I, I know this to be true yeah <laughs> yeah Business. i mean that is that's that's just i don't know <laughs> that's jerry reinstorf in a nutshell i mean <laughs> that's, that's like the equivalent of being afraid that like the uh the northwestern baseball team is going yeah. to act Draw the Cubs or something. It's just completely nonsensical. Yeah. Well, not to mention it didn't like force him to spend more money to like actually have a good ball club. It was just like, no, I'm not going to allow a minor league team that could possibly outdraw my franchise here, but I'm also not giving the White Sox any money. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, what are you going to do with that money? Well, no, I'm going to keep it. Keeping it. Yeah. Didn't you say it drives a Camry or something? Somebody told me that. I don't remember who. Mitch Trubisky drove a Camry. Are you talking about Mitch Trubisky? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I feel like somebody told me, like, I don't remember who. But they told me some weird, like, story about Jerry Reinsdorf being cheap and, like, I don't Like, personally, in his, like, personal life. And I was like... I mean that follow like <laughs> yeah. he's one of the common folk that 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 he's just like one of us that yeah. he's commoner <laughs> yeah just kind of per- perpetuate that illusion like we all know it's <laughs> like enjoy your money we're all suffering <laughs> greatly right now <laughs> I was walking into the park uh, last season during before a game uh, and and Jerry Reinsdorf had just gotten actually out of a car I don't think it was his car but it was a car. Um, and he was, was walking. Mitch Trubisky's Camry. It was Mitch Trubisky's Camry. Mitch <laughs> Trubisky was his driver. Uh, conspiracy. That's the only reason why they, the Bears kept Mitch around so long. Um, and so Jerry was walking into this, into the stadium. He was like right in front of me. There was nobody else around. And I was sort of thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, here's my opportunity to speak, to speak what, whatever I want to Jerry Reinsdorf. Will I lose the credential? Yes. Probably. But you know, will I get whatever I want off my chest? Also, yes. And I didn't say anything. So do I deserve a medal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I had an opportunity to just scream at Jerry Rice. You could have screamed in makes... and turn around. Like, yeah, that's... Said that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who said that. You were screaming at him on the inside and that's what counts. That's uh, true. I'm sure you're saying plenty of just nefarious things inside your head toward directed towards uh, uncle jerry so yeah that that that's definitely what counts like you you are brave in our book sam i think that makes you primed for a white Sox front office position because i think that's what everyone does that works there that's a good point screams internally but withholds aloud remember remember rick hans hostage video uh <laughs> when when they hired Lurus. Yeah. Like Rick blink twice if you need help. Exactly. It's like let, let us help you, Rick. <laughs> Rick's like reading off LaRusse's re- like objective resume. He's like, I mean, yeah, he is a Hall of Famer. He's won three World Series. It's like say I mean, something else. What, <laughs> yeah. Reading that's what book. everybody else uses as a crutch though, so it's fine. Yeah. It's because that's all there is that is all there is and and okay i think i think this is a really good spot to to make potentially wrap up i was gonna say 
I meant to bring this up earlier, but Janice, when you texted me the story about LaRusse's um, dog rescue foundation, you know, here's the way that you know that Tony LaRusse is just uh, not great. How can you fuck up a dog rescue foundation, an animal rescue foundation? Like that seems to me like a layup. Like that's just like, that's just like the easiest thing possible of like being like, you could be like a really hateable person, but you can have, you can do dog rescue or animal rescue. And it's like, ah, that's not, that we, there's something. Great PR. Yeah. And then it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then it turns out that he's like, it's like the toxic work environment and his wife and daughter left it, but he's like maintained, I hate it all. And it's insane that he fucked that up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then the statement he released on his Twitter was really like, I hadn't seen the story yet when he released that statement, it must've just come out, but it was like, I think it was like a note, a phone note on his Twitter. It's still, is it a ransom note? It was like, it was (laughs) like the thing. Yeah, I was like, the family will, we will not be leaving um, ARF. We will be staying with it. And I was like, what the hell is this? Because it was before I even saw the story. I was like, what is this going on? <laughs> ARF? Yeah. Is that the name of it? ARF. Yeah, Animal Rescue yeah. Foundation. Animal Rescue which is... Foundation or ARF. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tony, why is it called ARF? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> dogs bark. <laughs> they, they go. <laughs> Well, you know, dogs bark. <laughs> I hate it all. This is like, do you realize, like, we got the World Series in 2005. That was cool. Because, and then, but I didn't realize that when they won it, like, it was so cool when they won. It was awesome. But it's like, oh, like, this is going to be the only one you get. <laughs> I wish someone could have said this is going to be the only one you're going to get. Well, not only that, it was like, when they won... I don't know how anyone else felt, but it felt like the beginning of something. Not like, here's as good as it gets. It is a shit show and all downhill from here. Like, I mean, just, it felt like we were building to something and Mm -hmm. I was excited and it felt like anything was possible. I feel like, though, that happens with a lot of teams because then they trade everybody or have other interests and i mean the tigers the cubs because of the owner interests but that's the thing the Sox didn't even really trade anybody it was just like they, just point. everybody got bad and then it was like oh fuck, we're not and we're, there's definitely there's definitely not a like disney world experience being built around there at all holy shit that was one thing during the pandemic i have not gone over to like wrigley in a long time and i drove through there for the first time and i was like what the hell yeah (laughs) wild seriously it looks like a theme park it looks like like the cubs theme park yeah it's like a drunk adults disney world kind of yeah yeah i i was there like last week yeah and uh, i i will say it's pretty cool that i can get a do right chicken sandwich uh before a ball game that is pretty dope Mm-hmm. other than that it, it's it's just so overwhelming there's just so much to do and I, I just remember back in the good old days where you just had like the the ginger man tavern and then you had the metro around wrigley and that was and the it. taco bell and the taco bell and, and the mcdonald's too McDonald's. McDonald's. they, they yes. do have a mcdonald's like at the bottem of that hotel yeah but that like, mcdonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> gets cleaned now that yeah. mcdonald's it, has a clean bathroom yeah. it doesn't have like homeless people just like coming out and yeah you know, did you, you. Yeah. So we've all we've all been to the Wrigleyville Taco ta- rest in peace the, the Wrigleyville Taco Bell. Um I don't know why. Yeah, yes. I don't know why 
like I don't know why I liked it. It was like one of the worst Taco Bells. It was terrible by, by far. <laughs> Every time, like I feel like if I went to the, I know because I my roommate and I we used to go to uh, that Taco Bell sometimes at the yeah. drive-through, and it would be like an hour like waiting in the drive-through. Yeah, and there were always fights, and sh- I used to. There live were fights. At, yeah, yeah. I lived like at um, Addison and Racine, so mm-hmm. I lived. It was like across from Guthrie's, and it was a shit show yeah <laughs> it was like crazy i was like i hate living here i gotta go um yeah and that taco bell was like there were always fights in it and just like oh, it was a mess yeah that's all but still yeah. the memories just give me my chicken sandwich and I'm, I'm gonna hop back on the red line so that sounds good <laughs> just get out of there all right, y'all. Uh, I, I am I am losing steam, like oddly enough. It could be the fact that I had a thirteen percent beer. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it. That that'll yeah. absolutely do it. Uh, what Janice is saying is that we are at the halfway point of the Northside Sox Pillarbees. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone get a refill when we'll come back. Third win. Uh, yeah, we'll have your message over from Roman in a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need my big Welcome bills. to the late night podcast. <laughs> cool this has All been right. fun we should do it again yes uh a couple things on the on the agenda uh tommy you and i are going to go to the dave matthews show <laughs> um it's it's at some pavilion somewhere uh and then uh yeah we'll all catch a we'll all catch a game this summer and uh hopefully we can do this again this was really fun Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'll catch a game as a family. I, I love it. I'm yes, please. It. All right, everybody. From uh, North Sox, have a good, lovely night. And from the Killer Bees, whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> whatever, man. Have a Wait, nice evening. I, let, me, let me take a picture for the socials. Ready, everybody? Yeah, I want to do this too. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.